Sunday, November 11th, 2018. This is Postmarked. I'm 26, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, did I miss anything this week? You know, I, I, I'm sitting here looking through recap articles on Bleacher Report uh-huh. of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live, and I'm not really seeing much. I'm not. I, well, that's all right. I mean, I'm not. It's not like I'm sitting at home saying like, yeah, well, I know I'm not missing much. But then again, we have this podcast to do, and it is about wrestling. And I have taken a leave of absence from wrestling and i have to say that i don't really know how i feel about it quite yet dude you know it was a funny thing when uh ben and marlo were moving at one point ben was like i haven't watched wrestling this week and i don't feel good about it yeah and that was like a weird thing to even consider that like clearly this is a some sort of uh uh, habit that we've all formed some sort of uh, addictive product that we're intaking right well it's i guess it's funny the uh realization that i had not too long ago that might surprise you i haven't read a book in a very long time Ooh, yeah how's that going for you you know that's weird i feel like i've read less books recently as well yeah i mean you and i lived together for so long and i think you and i were both in uh sort of similar headspaces where we had to read yeah we just had to read you just have for for existence for sustenance yeah and, and i think that that probably like i was thinking about this recently yeah how a lot of i mean it seems like a lot of our reading habits probably grew and expanded in parallel and we you know both are similar enough people that we would like similar literature etc but i think we both along with the other people that we lived with throughout time fed Just off wills. of each other yeah wills <laughs> yeah wills is really the only other book person but like i do think that we uh we did end up reading a lot of books based on each other's reading habits or, or whatever else was around yeah well i think that i think one of the things that i have kind of i guess that, that i'm realizing that i've just inserted different things in the place where uh reading would be and i think that it has been an easier transition um for me not watching wrestling just because i'm still kind of feeding off of you know i'm doing the patreon for better yet so i'm working on uh 15 minutes with you which is i don't know it's just kind of like a different type of show but i'm in that show i'm building narrative from one episode to the other so i'm just kind of thinking about that and putting a lot of like mental energy into that i'm trying to listen to more music because i kind of go in cycles with that too sure i think everybody does right yeah i like now i'm just in that nice like i want to hear all of the new things sure um and yeah so the the wrestling transition hasn't been too difficult for me just because it's i don't know i think it's i don't have the same type of impulse that i have to do that that i did for reading or that ben has for (laughs) watching wrestling wrestling. yeah it's a strange thing because i've transitioned a lot of my wrestling since we started doing the show and i couldn't just wait until i mean now seemingly we could just wait all week to watch these shows but initially we started recording these episodes on thursdays and that means i couldn't wait until whenever to watch episodes of wrestling right to watch raw and smackdown and whatever and so i started fitting them into my like daily work schedule yeah when i was like cool i'm doing my morning emails and i'll watch the first hour of raw on tuesday morning and you know just like kind of fit it in and scattershot it that way where that just becomes another podcast or another record that I would be listening to otherwise rather than sitting down and actively watching wrestling. Yeah. So it's definitely taken like a deep prioritize. I don't think thinking about wrestling or other, like, I don't know, 
recreational wrestling watching has has lessened in any way but like those weekly five hours definitely i've slotted into my life so they're not taking up my life anymore yeah i have definitely done that too and i think that i do a pretty good yeah it's a that's definitely part of my morning routine tuesdays and wednesdays are days that i don't work in the morning so i wake up put raw or smackdown on hulu and kind of take in the music reading that i normally do or whatever like internet stuff that i'm doing and general uh, dicking around right and i mean i kind of always find time to clean up during that because sitting still for 90 minutes of monday night raw is very difficult yeah it's It's a lot Unless you're doing something. You have to be doing something else. It's a, it's like the ultimate show that you need a second project on. You need a magazine. or I got really good for a while reading comic books while I was watching wrestling. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I'll edit, too, sure. when wrestling is on. Yeah. That's a pretty Turn the easy volume thing. down on the, yeah. on the show. Yeah, a little, little captioning. Oh, yeah. A little CC. Um, so, briefly... Sure. What, what, what was the thing that you were most stoked about on on Raw this week? I mean, on Raw this week, so I I don't know. Not a lot happened, to be to be quite frank. It's we're in this uh, in one of those sandwich times where we already know what the pay per view is going to look like. Survivor Series has been set pretty much through and through. Right. And we're at that point in every year before every Survivor Series where. These episodes are all just about filling the teams, filling a good guy team versus a bad guy team or a raw team versus a SmackDown team or whatever. It's I realized quickly that this is one of the things that I'm least interested in in all of wrestling. Is there is there um and there's SmackDown and Raw beef now, right? Because Shane won the crown jewel is that has that kind of been the foundation for vaguely? I think it I think it was used as a so he's back on TV now pretty prominently, and I think it was just used as a vehicle to get him back on TV as okay. an active participant in SmackDown Live, he's right? The, he's the commissioner? He's of, the general manager, commissioner. One of those, yes. Well, he's, wait, one of he's, those. He's, he's above Paige. Yeah, he's above Paige. Even though, even though whatever his role could be what Paige does on smackdown yeah they both right. do the same thing but he's the boss uh-huh similarly to baron corbin and and stephanie mcmahon so and we should have baron corbin versus page at survivor I think that's Series. what's gonna happen team baron. how did you even know <laughs> the so yeah they're both both shows are assembling their teams which i don't give a shit about it, it it's like i don't know last it, year was tough too last year was this. tough two right? years ago totally made sense you know because they did a really good job of building the smackdown brand as something that was working against raw yeah it was something different uh-huh. it was something interesting and it was something that i think catered to a different group of fans in as as much as they could like move along their own little spectrum but we don't really have that anymore yeah and i don't even think that they Last year, going into Survivor Series, they were still kind of working with this premise that SmackDown was the land of opportunity. And I think that's what was being pushed as the narrative for the SmackDown team going sure. into last year's Survivor Series. Here, there's none of that that's left, as as far as I know. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think it's just two different shows now. And, you know, one's trying to beat the other, which is fine, but there's just not a ton of without having a horse in the race without it just seems like a false premise to set to say like hey fans who are, who do you want to win in this match raw or smackdown and we all watch both we've never had a reason to like root for one yeah over the, other. the brands don't matter i mean like you like one show more than the other but you're not loyal to the brand of that show yeah and we've even talked this summer about smackdown surpassing raw as the show to watch sure and even with that like meta narrative still doesn't work doesn't mean anything i 
yeah, it's tough when you have, and they seem to have a real knack for doing this a few times a year where you have a pay-per-view that's set up as a premise and there's no real need for that premise to come into play. But it's that time of year. Yeah, and I think that's the real issue, right? That Survivor Series is is probably the biggest offender or maybe like the biggest magnifying glass on that issue. Hell in a Cell and TLC and and all of these other elimination chambers fall into the same category, but Survivor Series is the oldest. It also requires a lot of suspension of disbelief and a lot of wacky mechanisms happening. A lot of people, you know, like, why do these five people want to join a team to def- like you have to you have to build in new narratives for a lot of wrestlers to uh to have believable motivations here and they don't do that work ever and so it's just like we've seen 25 years of this and it's nothing it's never meant anything and yeah. here we go again well it's it seems like something that could be so easy where if you just give any sort of interaction with Raw and SmackDown throughout the year, then you have the ability to build narratives on like why somebody would want to beat somebody else. I mean, you think about like the marquee matchup of the Lakers playing the Cavaliers twice this year. That's a narrative that it doesn't matter if we've heard it a million times as long as the people that are within it are interesting yeah then it's going to be a compelling story and there's no movement except for the draft right so which is which is i think that sheds a lot of light on it too because the draft also doesn't build any narrative they just do it they just do it which is cool it's exciting i love seeing the 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 real story there is you you start to imagine dream matches and you know interesting dynamics between wrestlers but there's no that doesn't push the story in any way well it's so it's strange to me that there has never been an instance where baron corbin just sent somebody he doesn't like to smackdown for you know a what seems like a one-sided trade just something he's like, you know what, you know what? get out of here. Yeah. And the idea that Baron Corbin comes over to SmackDown trying to offload somebody who he's got an issue with, and SmackDown says, okay, well, we'll, we'll give you this. We'll give you sure. this, like, you know, lesser value player. Um, and then both of those people have motivation to do something. Both right, of those people are themselves. able to like go in to do something fresh. And then when you come around to this time, you have somebody that's just like, you know what? I want to stick it to Baron Corbin. Right. Then you have motivation. I mean, and there's also like easy opportunities for things like poaching players or, you know, easy, like simple waivers contract type mechanism. It's, there's just a lot there that they could be doing. And maybe it doesn't matter. 11 months out of the year, maybe this is the only time where these two brand splits matter, but they don't do anything to build towards this. And it's supposed to be one of their big tentpole pay-per-views and it doesn't, it just feels like an exhibition. And especially in a season of exhibitions that we've just been going through, it's, I'm, I don't Yo, know what we're supposed yeah, to do with this. The, there is real, a real diminished value to what this is after, all of these pay-per-views that kind of come with varying degrees of stakes. I mean, what storylines, what, like what's the percentage of storylines that are advanced at Crown Jewel? Right. You have a couple that are significant, but for most of it, it's just like, all right, well, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are going to fight again but the feud's over already right like this is clearly just a house show match after the feud ended but before a new feud starts Mm -hmm. and it's just i it's tough because they play these off like dream matchups right where like 
you know, we're going to see the tag team champions of Raw versus the tag team champions of SmackDown. It's like, I guess that's cool, but there is a draft and these things can change. And when the draft happens and they do change, then there's opportunities for title changes. There's opportunities for like real lengthy feuds that mean something instead of just like, okay, cool. These are these two entities fighting each other for nothing. Right. This doesn't mean anything. Well, it's it's like, I am always kind of perplexed as to why this show just seems to shy away from the sports narratives that exist. Yeah. It's, it's like we've done, we've done great work at finding a way to build, uh, personal issues as being the the mainstay for what drives wwe storytelling from 1996 on yeah but i if if this is a reality that you're under the control of you could very easily just have that exist at the same time as you have like something that is purely taken from sport and from sport uh, you know the sport narrative bank, mm-hmm. which is what wrestling is. It's it's it's, it's what great, it's purporting to be, right? The great matches that have storyline within it, and sometimes that comes from personal issues, but also sometimes it just comes from athletics. I mean, and that's also something that uh, the lesser brands, quote unquote, are are embracing now, right? We've got like the UK tournament, we've got the May Young tournament, we've got the cruiserweights that in a lot of ways, are just really straightforward. Everyone's trying to be the best. I don't know if you've watched any of the UK show. Oh, yeah. NXT UK, and it's like, these are just people trying to fight their way to the top. This is just, this is boxing. This is UFC. And I don't understand. I Obviously, that doesn't work for the entire brand of the company. You can't only have boxing and, and MMA and UFC. But... Mixing that in seems very feasible here. It seems like a really smart way to make something like Survivor Series, which worked in 1989, but doesn't work now. Yeah, we could we could turn this into something that means a lot more. Um, you you did you did mention the dream matchups, and that part of it to me has some very compelling aspects to it, um, and one that I've been. Uh, able to follow along on Twitter uh, following the man oh my gosh Becky Lynch is uh, doing a hell of a job she's incredible so if if there's one thing we're talking about this week as always it's Becky Lynch the she comes out she cuts an amazing promo on Smackdown does the whole thing and she starts shit talking Ronda Rousey some B words are thrown around they Whoa. get real sassy she's turns into this like beast of a of a human and just starts yelling and in a very believable manner it works herself up into a like a fervor where she just needs to fight and she's in the middle of the ring yelling like who's gonna fight me now i need to fight someone like i need to let this out uh and uh, and uh you start to hear that crunchy deep drop drop e guitar riff of uh of sanity and out comes nikki cross get the fuck out the show's in england uh-huh. nikki cross comes out a glasgow native uh and they have a, a kick-ass match and it's great she comes out they they have like this really stellar face-to-face where uh nikki grabs the microphone from becky's hand and and does a little bit of like like yeah you're saying you're, you're the best she's like let's play becky and does some like weird creepy halloween-esque like so chucky good. shit and they uh-huh. fight they have a great match it's it's stellar. It's totally worth watching. Oh, that rules. So is she up now? Or is, I don't know. I don't yeah. think it might have been a once-off. Because these, these, the Raw and SmackDown were both in uh, the UK. Did they have the cool set with the phone booth? They didn't have the Mini Cooper. They didn't have the <gasps> phone booth. It was pretty straightforward. Maybe they had the phone booth, actually. Was it Austin Powers there? Uh, yeah, the man of mystery himself. <laughs> uh, what's the... What's his... Oh, what's this guy's name? What's the... International Man of no, Mystery. No, what's the guy that shows up on the TV? That, like his oh, boss. Oh, Basil. Basil. Yeah. Basil Michael, Michael York. 
Uh, who I no, think is like a a dude, right? He's, he's a, a famed. Yeah, I think uh-huh. he's. I think he might be knighted. Really? I think he might be a sir. Well, Michael Caine is a sir, right? Ah, sir. sir Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Dude, I started doing David Attenborough impressions the other day. Oh, nice. You want to hear it? Yeah. How's that going? I'm David Attenborough. <laughs> Uh, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, did you watch the staircase at all? Because I've been doing uh, no, I haven't touched it at all. It's it's like he's uh, he talks and and <laughs> then he uh, you ask yourself, well, what is he, where is he going with this? And and maybe he he doesn't exactly know where he's going, but he's got to be going somewhere if he's going. Uh, is so, that the narrator? Oh uh, no, it's it's the guy who's, uh, who's yeah, he might be being in trouble. Accused of of throwing his wife down the stairs. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's one to bust out, but nobody really knows. I mean, not that people, not that many people know it. I'm driving, I'm driving Jamie crazy in here doing that. Um, just doing the staircase. Just doing, yeah, I mean, that's right. Just, just saying that's just something I fall into. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I don't know what I, I would probably talk weird too. If I was accused of throwing someone down the stairs twice. Well, you got accused twice, or he threw it on the oh, stairs that's twice. An, that's another part. Is that his uh, his friend uh, when he was living in Germany as a a woman who uh, he went over to her house and found her at the bottom of a staircase. She had an aneurysm at the top and fell down the stairs. And wait, he, his friend saw this, or he saw this, or he was there for this? He came for this. She was there at the bottom of the stairs, oh, and no. so it was ruled uh, an aneurysm. Sure, he adopted her two children, and when this uh, when Holy this cow. incident with his wife took place, this was after the first incident. Long after, and He's the got first grown one, up adopted children. The first one was in Germany. He was stationed there. Okay, military man, and. Then this comes up. They exhume her body. The aneurysm lady? Yeah. What? Bring it over to North Carolina. And the medical examiner there says this was a homicide. No way. Mm hmm. Well, this just got interesting. It's dope because the they're in a meeting with the attorneys and the attorney picks up the phone. He's like, what? Yeah. And then he hangs up and he looks at the camera and he's like, well, your movie just got really interesting. Nice. Yeah. But here's the thing. You have this medical examiner that is uh, looking at somebody's uh, somebody's body and not saying this was blunt force trauma, but saying this was a homicide, which is kind of a fucked up thing. Yeah. That's not, not what they're supposed not to your say, job. right? It's yeah. not your job. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's Have why, you finished it's the show one. yet? No, we got kind of burnt out on it last How many week. episodes are there? There's a lot. Okay. Because it spans, like, it spans a lot. 10 a lot? Or like? It's like 15 or 16. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, we blew through them, and then it was just like, all right, that was kind of a... This is like 10 burns. Dude, I don't like spending a, a day doing that. Dude, me, that's the thing. I I feel like such a spoil sport lately because it's it's nice to have a show. As a couple, I think, it's nice to have a show you can watch together, right? Where you're like, we're just following our stories on a regular basis. We just are, you yeah, know, yeah. breaking bads on or what orders the new black or whatever it is that people watch. And jesse is always trying she's always like what do you think about this new show this looks cool or spooky or interesting and every time we start i'm just like what am i gonna do watch three episodes of this thing yeah like i can't i can't invest myself into something like that yeah that i know like spending a whole day watching one of those things is such a bummer yeah we uh we after we watched people versus oj i was like we gotta watch this documentary and that documentary it's five parts it's five parts it's long it's really good it's incredible but it's also like we did just cover a lot of this in and the, we're in the we're, fictional or the narrative yeah. show and we're getting a lot of new information on it and i think a much 
greater context for everything. Oh my that, god, that documentary. Yeah, where they frame like racial issues and mental health issues and unbelievable. That would be so fucking good. Um, but you know, then when you get into some of the trial stuff, it's just like, okay, so this is the like behind the scenes that we kind of already got. So yeah, um, yeah. But both of those. Did you guys? Are on you didn't. Right now. You didn't make. You didn't force the uh, October whatever nineteen ninety four. You know what I whatever, did? I did. Uh, she found it pretty uninteresting. I think. That's fair. But I think that she's a little. She's a little burnt out on it. Also, and it's a lot of. It's a lot of like. You got to smoke weed narrative. to watch that too. I don't disagree. It really does help. Um. But yeah, you know, it's like. That's definitely like the most psychedelic heady of the uh of the 30 for 30s right yeah. like that's the trippiest one i want to watch his other stuff i don't know i don't know anything about it he's got an academy award though really but it's kind of like it's kind of like you you're watching someone you're watching something with someone who you can tell has a feigning interest in a thing and it's just in like the topic in general right and she's like well you know i don't really give a shit about arnold palmer right or but the, then halfway through the movie, you see Arnold Palmer break down. And if you're watching it, it's just like, oh, my God, this is this so is powerful. Cool. And she's just like, I never gave a shit. Like, wow. Yeah. And I, and I think, like, without... If OJ's the only interesting piece there... Yeah. I, I think that's why this movie is a 30 for 30 movie, right? Because it's like, you have to have an understanding and, it, like, a appreciation for something... I don't give a fuck about golf, but I Arnold Palmer is an important figure in history. Yeah, it, it's it's just one of those like crazy that this was all happening, and maybe the, yeah. that's that's the the looser piece of of all of it is is okay. Arnold Palmer's last U.S. Open, right, or whatever. But I mean, the also- fact that it that it gets to where it gets to is where your head gets fucking right it just like keeps blowing Mm -hmm. up and blowing up but i mean also if you don't have an appreciation for how cool a like celebrate a championship parade is like without that without stakes there even with the fact that that your boy was there i went to that parade but really all you can say is like i went to that parade and yeah and she says oh Uh uh-huh it looks like that was fun look there's there's mark messier uh he was dating Madonna after they won the cup. Is that true? Uh, it was Madonna, they had a Madonna or, or somebody that was uh, of note. I don't know. A pop star of note. A pop, a pop star of note. Maybe not even a pop star. Maybe it was Claudia Schiffer. Man, she was a person. She was a person in home. Still is, I believe. Is she? Um, I wouldn't know. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm hoping she's doing well. Um, thoughts but, and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Claudia. Oh. Um. But yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't know where we're at wrestling wise. I don't know what we're supposed to be. Survivor Series is a tough one in general. I think we're both in a low point here, regarding our. Uh, I don't know investment. It's. For me, I think one of the things that I'm missing out on is the, all right, let's watch some Survivor Series. Like, Yeah. That was an interesting. Pat texted the thread yesterday and said, yeah. what Survivor Series should I watch? 94. What Absolutely. happens in 94? I I actually did watch the, uh, the Doink Team Doink match uh, Dude, a couple of nights ago. It's so fucking good. It's wild. I my my uh my jerry lawler opinions i believe are known on this program that man is a is a child rapist yeah he's a real piece of shit um the fact that he is still a part of the company makes my skin crawl but i will say in uh in separating the person from what uh what he creates to me, Jerry Lawler as a heel in the mid '90s is some of my favorite heel work that is in existence. I mean, he did incredible stuff. It was 
that match is so funny because he is so good at understanding how to look as silly as he possibly can in comparison to Doink. Yeah. He, like, when he jumps up and down in frustration, it's just like, this is perfect. And that, Uh like, Burger King era Jerry Lawler. Yeah. It's just, it's so good. He's He was really good at uh, mirroring or, like, yeah, emulating the temperature of of whatever else was happening in a match, right? Yeah. I think he's really good at serious fighting and he's really good at comedy fighting. And I mean, we're young enough to never really take part in in any of the the serious stuff. Yeah, we didn't see any of that shit live. But you know, when he when he comes in just as the heel commentator at a a pretty like light hearted era of what WWF was then, when it was like super kid oriented and your yeah. bad guys were just sort of just over the top um but his work there and i think his ability to align himself with heels for all of the lamest reasons Mm -hmm. like when double j was coming in he loved him so much and it was like these two are just playing into this bad guy southern persona and you know every time double j god double j taps his fucking head because he's the smart one uh-huh. and jerry lawler's just like he is he's so smart it's just perfect to me yeah i think that there was it was very much i think a b plot just as jeff jarrett's entire career in wwe was but i think that you know that tennessee wrestling uh crew did a really good job of just playing like never main event heels but really solid like i hated jeff jarrett when i was a kid dude yeah because he was he was so lame he was so lame. his like shitty outfit his his iterations of shitty outfits he wore that weird collar thing for a while oh my god and then he was like and he had the hat then he had that yeah glowing hat he was such a prick Mm -hmm. yeah my one of my favorite matches when i was a kid was uh in your house two Shawn michaels versus double j for the intercontinental title um that was with my baby tonight oh yeah performance yeah and then Shawn michaels versus double j for the intercontinental title um Shawn michaels i think that was the moment when Shawn michaels became my favorite because he was just so cool so um goofy he was never mm-hmm. he was never serious and he was just going in there being like way too slick for this fucking clown double j just making them look silly and then double j perfect foil and they have such a good match it's so freaking good and then double j loses by uh he calls for the roadie to grab his leg and Shawn Michaels reverses the Irish whip and the roadie's not looking, grabs double J uh, super kick, new intercontinental champion. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, I love that match. I got that pay-per-view cause it was 15 bucks. So my parents would never let me buy. You bought the, ne- pay- you watched it live. I watched it live. I bought oh, it. My, my parents God. would never buy me wrestling. I, yeah, I never got wrestling live. So that was in your house was awesome. Cause it was 15 bucks. So, I saved an allowance and bought saved it. Saved up a few weeks. Taped it. Oh, that's so that tight. match so many times. Were In Your House is cheap? Were they? Cause yeah, because they were only like two and a half hours. They, sure. were, they weren't the full three. Um, probably like six or seven matches. It was, yeah. That's so smart. $14.99. That's when they went to every month. Yeah, with so, those In Your Houses it was, to fill the gas. It was the big five were full price and then in your house was 14.99 that's so smart yeah i used to used to wake up watch the 
WWE WWF superstar yeah, on Saturday a lot morning. Of superstars. Todd Pettengill and Stephanie, whatever her name was. Who? There was a co-host with uh, with Pettengill named Stephanie, uh, not McMahon, but she didn't last very long. But yeah, yeah, I remember I watched a lot of superstars because it was on in the mornings on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I didn't have cable, and so before smackdown happened on network television it was just like the only access i had was superstars you didn't have cable growing up yeah i didn't have cable growing up. you couldn't see when could you see r-rated movies i mean i wasn't allowed to watch i think the the real thing is i wasn't allowed to watch pg-13 movies until i was 13 whoa that was the fucked up thing whose rule was that definitely my dad's rule yeah because then as soon as my parents split it was kind of like all right uh-huh. whatever do yeah whatever you but do. you still didn't get cable still didn't get cable my was mom it... still doesn't have cable oh really but now at this point like whatever she's yeah, got netflix yeah. and shit but did was it like i don't want cable tv in this house or she's just I was... like i it's a waste of money i don't want it i think initially it was very much like i don't want us like our kids can't watch nickelodeon because they'll it'll rot their brains right like i wasn't allowed to watch simpsons and stuff like that yeah i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons for a couple of years yeah, i think that was like a thing right i pulled i pulled my pants down uh, oh. after homer did <laughs> and mooned my cousin <laughs> no more simpsons no more Tim. simpsons because i saw homer show the <laughs> classroom his butt <laughs> i yeah i wasn't allowed to we didn't have the simpsons so we didn't have cable and then I think at some point my mom was just like, what am I going to use cable for? I can yeah. watch Gilmore Girls without cable. There's so many of these, like, there's so many things that I think that if I were a parent, I would do because it would be better for the child in theory. Totally, you right? You can't. You can't do that, that shit. That just ended up, that's the thing, right? Like, a lot of these things where you're like, yeah, I think, like, putting together some like smart thoughtful diet for my child or you know like not allowing soda in the house or you know whatever and the cable is bad for people totally fair but then your kid is just a weird kid yeah weird kid or a or a rebellious kid they turn into a youth that yeah start smoking weed and yeah causing trouble and now and, and now look at you look at me now um ruin my life but that's this is all to say that superstars wwf superstars was a very it was like thrilling to turn that show on yeah on saturday mornings and yeah. watch i don't know scotty too hottie fight i, oh, I don't so know fucking funny yeah eventually i would tape raw and then i would wake up on tuesday morning yeah and watch raw that's before cool. school that's so cool even though see that one was tough though because uh i woke up early every morning to watch sports center i would eat cereal uh, yeah. and watch sports center in the morning and it was tough on tuesdays because tuesday you had rich eisen and Stuart scott hosting sports center mondays mm-hmm. or like the the sunday edition that ran monday morning keith olberman oh and yeah the big boys dan patrick yeah. and i think after olberman left it was uh uh kenny main and then fucking uh, Stuart Scott and Rich Eisen, though. The Tuesday crew, fucking best. Those two yeah, were Stuart so, Scott was so funny. Good. Dude, Rich Eisen was too. Hey, they, they had like, I don't know. They had a cool young guy energy to it. Even sure. Though, even though they're probably the same age as fucking Dan Patrick. Probably. Dude, I watched the, I watched the goddamn Bobby Knight documentary, uh, the 30 for 30. Oh, yeah, you got that ESPN I got the ESPN Plus. That's also contributing to the fact that I don't miss wrestling too yeah, much. Yeah, you just I'm watching watched 30 for 30. Bobby Knight. Time. Yeah. Dude, it's fucking so tragic. That guy. I mean, I grew up with Bobby Knight. He was cool. I just, I think he's always sort of been my traditionalist root he's the guy that's like he is from a former time he doesn't do things the way that the younger people do it but he does so many right things he graduates his players he's done the same motion offense since the 60s yeah and you know he the the team their warm-ups are these like shitty candy stripe pants that are never gonna change i Mm -hmm. love it so much and then 
the premise of that documentary starts with him uh, having three big recruits transfer out. And, and there's this string of people who are leaving his program. He's also not doing well in the tournament. So it starts with that, and then it goes into the incident where he chokes a guy yeah. on his team. Yeah. And just watching that and just being like, oh, man. Anything Bobby. I was holding on to here is is gone. Yeah, it's funny to see it's funny to see the way that I guess sports narratives have changed over the past 20, 30 years because back in the day it was really easy to continue to praise Bobby Knight when he's just like this passionate man that is holding on to old school ideals. He gets a little angry, throws his chair, whatever, but that's yeah. only because of the love of the game. Right. And if you hate it, fuck it. Like yeah. his teams win. They win. They earn it. And now, can you imagine, like, whatever, like, crazy racist stuff Bobby Knight has said in his life? Oh, The horrible things he's done and said. I can't imagine. There's no way that guy would have built any legacy if he started 30 years later. I know. And and then you, they get into him now. And they have... What does he do now? Is he... He is a very bitter person. I would imagine. Yeah. They did a... They did a reunion of the 76 team, the undefeated Mm -hmm. team that won the national championship, and he didn't go. It was at Indiana. He was invited back, and he said he he would never go back to Indiana. Because, yeah, yeah. And they show a Dan Patrick interview with him uh, over the phone, and Dan Patrick's like, so what's going on, Coach? I uh, I think a lot of people would like to see you back at indiana just to sort of put some of this to bed and you know the that team reunion everybody was missing you there and pop's just like i'll never go back there i i wish all those people were dead oh my god not his team but all the people that yeah, like forced him out of indiana. and dan patrick's just like well uh coach i think i think a few of them are and he's like great oh my god can't wait till the other ones die what the hell dude? and it's just like you're shitty this you're is shitty not person. it's not cool man do you think that that happens to everybody does do we all get like sad and old and bitter because i remember i took a, a gerontology class in uh, in college yeah. social gerontology it was it was <laughs> it was such a blow off man the teacher of it was like just this old pastor. He was so cute. You, you just had to show up. Yeah, sure. And and but we talked a lot about like uh, kind of the the sociology of aging. And one of the things that I took away from there is that the myth is that people get more conservative as they get older, but that's not true. You actually get more into what your beliefs whatever it is you Mm -hmm. just entrench yourself yeah that's an interesting thing yeah so you're just watching bobby knight turn more and more bitter yeah i mean i guess if you're an optimist though if you're maybe a mildly happy person maybe you just get sillier and (sighs) more aloof well the thing is i'm getting more i'm getting more secluded i think yeah as i get older sure i think but i think that happens to lots of people i think that happens to everybody to some degree right yeah, I guess I've been like trying to trying to figure out like where I'm at right now. Sure. Because ever since I moved up here, it's like, all right, I love this house and uh, don't want to leave it. Yeah. Also, when you get when you get home, it's harder to leave than it used to be. I think that's be. true. I, I think there's a couple of factors, right? Like, I I don't know if this is something that. More and more recently, I've been factoring this into the equation. Just the fact of, like, not having roommates changes the way that I approach my life. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we both live with our partners, but that's a much different relationship than having a roommate where you can, like, make plans based on your room. This independent, this entirely independent creature from you. Well, I mean, when you stopped, when you and I stopped living together, I realized how much my activity was just like yo what are you what are you up to a lot of yeah what are you doing today yeah and a lot of like ad hoc oh i'm thinking about watching this movie i'm thinking about i've got this record on yeah 
okay, cool. Let's hang and do that thing. I think a lot of that stops, right? I think so. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, especially too, when you're, when you're living with a partner where you're there, you're, you're at home uh, uh, with this person and it's just like, what do you want to do? Let's watch our show. Right. (laughs) Right. It's really easy to get into that stuff rather than being like, cool oh you're you're watching your show roommate yeah. all right i don't want to do that i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna go out or i'm gonna do my own thing yeah let me know if you go anywhere yeah let me and know if you do anything cool it's we talk each other out of going to everything yeah totally it's me like, too yeah it's really easy to just be like well there's the burrito shop uh and we've mission I, there i found a torrent of mission impossible let's Dude, do be that. careful with those Oh, I, I got I got pinged for every for, Mission Impossible movie that I downloaded. You? Yeah, I mean it was right around when Six was coming out, so I was just downloading all of them, and they all got pinged. Did you get emails about them? Yeah. Mm. Those don't mean anything, though, right? Dan, our friend Dan, yeah, got in trouble true. for this, and right. he had to pay like two grand. That's for downloading The Wolf of Wall Street or insane. something like that. Dallas Buyers Club. I think it was The Wolf of Wall Street. That would have been poetic. <laughs> I like that. What the, the 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 Dallas Buyers Club would be poetic? No, or, I uh, like Wolf of Wall Street. Being I've never actually seen that movie. Wolf of Wall Street? What's it? What's it? Two forty? Two hours yeah, and forty really minutes? Long. Fucking, I don't. It's need your that. guy Marty, though, right? Yeah, Come on. but I mean, I don't. Know. I, it's uh, it's very much post departed. I just feel like he's done that a lot. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. It's a little... Aviator. Like, okay. I you, didn't see the Aviator. And I think Casino was kind of the last one that he could get away with that sort of thing. Dude. Don't get me wrong. Shutter Island, I loved it. You know why I like Shutter Island? Because it was so different. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird one. The one that came out a couple years ago, too, with... Uh, 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 what's, the, what's the weird-looking guy... Uh, who's in Star Wars? Uh, Weird looking guys in Star Wars. He killed Han Solo. Oh, Han uh, Solo's kid, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah. What's you know that guy's how, name? He's weird looking though, right? He is Adam Driver. People Adam think Driver. he's handsome. I don't. I don't either. I think he's strange looking. Me too. I like him a lot. Yeah. I think he's a good. Actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. He's in the. He's in a movie that Scorsese directed. Uh, Maybe Liam Neeson's in it too about some priests. Okay, it's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's about priests in China, in like okay. the 17th century. I don't know. Um, it's weird though. Yeah, it's very it's not weird. the normal Scorsese fare. Well, he did Last Temptation of Christ, which is right like, back in the day. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, it's a of course, I've seen movie. that. Oh my god, it's great. It's people don't see, people pass that one over. I think well, because it's about Jesus. It's also. I, Dude, I had a, a problem with that movie just because it is the same. I know it's it's like making moves to do this, but it's the same color palette as those old, like, puritanical Christian movies, stuff like yeah, the Ten Commandments. Uh-huh. And it's playing with the same. It's playing with the same narrative devices of those movies that were made like 10, 15, 20 years before that. That which you would never suck. watch. Yeah. yeah they they I had to watch them as a child growing up and I've, it's just awful. Did you? Yeah, totally. I mean like not like sit down and watch this, but they right. were on. Uh-huh. In my household and it's like watching those is awful. Dude, watching like oh man, Spartacus? Yeah, sure. That's it's like t- it's tough to get through. It's you know, it's Kubrick and it's Kirk Douglas, but Man, that studio system mm-hmm. shit that was happening then is so unappealing. Yeah. Also, I think that's the there's a lot of uh there's some nice irony in the fact that I think that's what gives us people like Scorsese and sure, it tries to get gritty and weird. Yeah, in the seventies. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the idea that Scorsese's making like a movie that would have been starring Charlton Heston. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. I Martin Scorsese is interesting because he's made so many fucking movies, and some of them, a couple of them, are like the best movies ever, and a lot of them aren't. And I think it's a really interesting. It's really interesting to to compare him to he he's in the, in the category of greats, right? Oh yeah, but I don't necessarily know that he lives up to. I think my my attitude on Scorsese is souring 
more and more as I get older. Well, you don't like Taxi Driver. I don't like Taxi Driver. Now, now why? What is it about Taxi Driver that you don't like? I feel... Okay, okay. I There's... Obviously, it's a very groundbreaking film with what it's... It's set piece usage. It's the use of New York as a character. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's f- phenomenally interesting and really well put together and etc etc but i think it's main narrative is that this guy is a good dude who just is misunderstood okay i think that's not cool now here's here's uh an interpretation that is actually pretty new for me um and it's aided pretty heavily by um Fresh Air interviews with Jodie Foster. Sure. And with Albert Brooks. Okay. Because that's... Taxi Driver is one of Terry Gross's favorite movies. I believe that. Um, now... I love Terry Gross. She's great. She's the best. Now, the, the main protagonist of Taxi Driver is De Niro's Travis Bickle, right? Right. What if the main protagonist of... Taxi Driver is Jodie Foster. Then what is this movie? Because I'll tell you. It seems like you have a thesis here. Taxi Driver is the story of a child prostitute who is being uh, uh, used, manipulated, and held captive by Harvey Keitel, Mm -hmm. a pimp. Mm -hmm. And... Horrible, horrible man. On the other side is this also psychotic person who is not a representation of good, but a representation of maybe better, but even even within the debate uh, on the relative goodness of Travis Bickle. Sure. He's how she gets out. He does a good deed. Yeah. There's no question about that. That's true. And if this movie was was truly about Jodie Foster, the protagonist, I think that that would be fair and cool. But instead, you're watching Travis Bickle stalk women in mm. this movie in a very... Uh, and in, I think it's not unfair to say there's a lot of friend zoning happening in this film Uh and you're supposed to sympathize with him when he's just trying to be a good dude and make friends with this woman and maybe like he's not but she's not interested Uh uh-huh and he just keeps going and uh and i think we're supposed to think of this as like ah why does she keep putting him in the friend zone why isn't she i don't i don't know if that's necessarily true i think that that the film itself does not sympathize with Travis in that. I think that it is a, here's what's happening. You decide. We're, I don't think that the film takes a stand to say that Travis Bickle is uh, rightfully pursuing this person or, uh, you know, anything. I don't know. I think that's a tough claim to make because then what has happened here? Martin Scorsese is not just Jackson Pollocking this the world with this film and saying like, "Here's chaos." What's the interpretation? You decide. He's clearly putting forth a narrative with Travis Bickle here, who's a man who uh, is almost like this. He starts as this like wide-eyed doe, and slowly Uh the world just hurts him more and more until he turns into someone in the end who I think we all agree the movie does say is not making the right decisions is doing something that's wrong right but for that first half or so you're watching the world beat this man up you're watching him like lose constantly even though he's trying his best to be a good guy and you just watch him get knocked down a peg after peg after peg until he snaps initially and saves the prostitute and then whatever but is it not an analysis of a of, of a, a person who 
has a strange depth and sure it is totally so is there a way then to make is there a way to make a movie about somebody who exists in this very murky area of of personhood where you can you can just show them i think i think my problem then in that case if that's the if that's the point of contention that no, we don't need a portrait of a basement dwelling creep that can't figure out how to live. And it's just like, I don't need that guy to be the protagonist of my films. I want Jodie Foster to be the protagonist of my films. I don't need, I don't need semi murkily heroic narratives of someone that goes, that is a complex human, but is really just some shitty dude I don't need that as a main... I don't need that as American cinema history. I don't need that as an iconic masterpiece of film. That movie could have been set in New York doing rad shit with the dark underbelly of Manhattan or whatever, telling a story about someone else who does need a spotlight. I don't think it would be as good. Hmm. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I just think Martin Scorsese... If we're gonna if we're gonna talk about how deep and wonderful this movie is, I think a lot, a lot of that is discounted by the fact that Martin Scorsese's made a bunch of bullshit afterwards. I would agree, although I think that Scorsese, for me, it goes Goodfellas, yeah, of Raging course. Bull, sure, and I don't know what my third would be, um, because I think. I think Taxi Driver. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think it's uh, it's probably an overrated movie, and I also think it's kind of one of those movies that I think that part of my argument here is that we are kind of both um, at a point in our lives where we are going through periods of reanalysis that sure. yeah yeah now. It's like when you were 14, Fight Club was the coolest movie that you'd ever seen. And when you saw Taxi Driver, it blew Fight Club away. Yeah. And now we are kind of looking at, well, what is it about Taxi Driver that's so great? Because a big part of Taxi Driver is the heroic portrayal of a psychopath right and when i think a taxi driver in the cultural landscape aside from the quotable phrases i think of all of the posters with travis bickle holding two guns Mm -hmm. out or holding his fingers to his head or you know these moments that kind of get plastered onto dorm rooms across the country so it's sort of like now that we're now that we're uh in our 30s and we're realizing uh, a few things about men in general maybe we're looking back and saying like oh that to me is just as embarrassing as it was when i was like oh yeah fight club was cool when i was in eighth grade right right i think that's very true i think that's really what it is right the uh those those dorm room poster iconog like the dorm room poster iconography of of movies like taxi driver and i still this is something that i've been struggling with a lot lately is trying to figure out how to quantify and like pinpoint those moments of a movie celebrating something that i don't like that i don't think is cool yeah and it's hard because like we're having this discussion about taxi driver and it's a very complex film i think like there's not it's not black and white but i'm the last time i watched it i was left with this taste suggesting that like travis bickle is a hero to some degree right and i think that's what my problem with that movie is and when you're talking about it you're suggesting that like there are moments when he's heroic and there's moments when he's not He's not portrayed as heroic. And I'm trying to figure out, I don't know how, when those moments exist. Like when, what specific things is film as a canvas, is film as a, as, as a tool, what is it doing? What are the mechanisms that it's using to either 
portray him as a hero or portray him as a villain to to say this is good or this is bad right what and, when is that happening yeah and it, and it's an interesting take too to to kind of look at something and and say well here's a presentation of a person who is doing something wrong and what duty would it be then of the film and the filmmaker mm-hmm. to assert the fact that this is wrong what he's doing in this moment because i think that i have i i've become very weary of um the idea that that assertion should always be made because i think that i think that if you don't see that as wrong then that is that's on you sure and but if you don't see that and most people don't see that then what but i think i i think that a point worth making in terms of travis bickle's arc is that you see him in the middle of this movie doing something where i mean the, the kind of the story of of travis bickle i think is him trying to figure out how to be heroic sure and he tries to assassinate somebody um and he does that after pursuing someone who has very clearly stated no Mm -hmm. and that's fucked up that he tries to assassinate someone is fucked up but when he gets to the point where he kills harvey keitel that's maybe the same that that i think comes from the same energy of what can I do? Sure. He's and, make, trying to make some sort of impact. And the idea that he's sort of like a misguided Holden Caulfield character uh, within all of it. At the end, he finds a spot throughout. He doesn't. And you know, what? Whose, whose responsibility is it to see that what he's doing beforehand is not the right thing? Right. And we all know that in general it's not, but like watching those, like the the first two things that he does, if I knew a person that was acting that way, being that creep to that woman or trying to assassinate some random, I mean like obviously the assassination has to do with like, it doesn't really have to do with politics at all. Yeah. Right. And it's more just like weird built up emotions that he doesn't know how to deal with. And both of those things are like despicable. They're both of those things are things that I would not want that person in my life. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think at that point, I'm just like not interested in watching what this person does. This guy yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, but I guess like to bring it all back around, the, uh, I think what I love about wrestling is that I know I can pinpoint the moments when the morality tale is, is telling itself. We can, we can use wrestling really in a really easy way. And maybe, maybe it's not, I don't know. Like we know when somebody turns heel, right? We know, yeah. we know why stone cold Steve Austin hitting somebody with a chair is a good thing to do. And we know, you know, why, someone like the Miz hitting someone with a chair is a bad thing to do. We know that the two people doing the same actions, one of them can be good and one of them can be bad and we can directly pinpoint what it is that they've done or how they're acting or who they're doing it to or how it's being conveyed. We can use all of these things in a really straightforward manner to, to, to deduce what the story is being told and who's being celebrated and who's not. And I think that's one of the coolest things about wrestling in general. Yeah, it's it's really incredible the way that it just continuously is able to portray itself and good versus evil right versus wrong Mm -hmm. and uh the righteous versus the unholy hey this has been a wrestling podcast (laughs) sort of um we hope that you are uh enjoying your time spent here thank you so much for joining us for uh postmarkdom number 26 uh it's been 
been quite a quite a, a run that we've had so far. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself thoroughly. It's always so nice to to see you and to have you come over. Uh, we do this because we like each other, and as was kind of hinted at during the show, sometimes you just gotta you just have to uh, force uh, yourself to make sure that you see your friends, even though even though you love them and you want to see them most of the time it's hard <laughs> so we're gonna do it again next week um and you can subscribe to it on apple podcasts and stitcher and tell a friend that uh hey there there are these two people they talk about wrestling and then eventually they are talking about taxi driver but it's mostly okay so you should check it out maybe yeah. either way we will be back next week and we hope to see you then thanks Bubba. and i beg you dear molly girl try and understand your man the best you can across the great